Nicosia Uncut, prepared and presented by Andromachis of Ocleus and Kemal Baikali. Well, after a short summer break, Nicosia Uncut is back, and it is back with politics. We discussed the presidential elections in the Republic of Cyprus and the recent United Nations reports on the good officers and the peacekeeping force in Cyprus and how the Greek Cypriot media and uh, media in general are responding to that. Welcome to Nicosia Ankat. Hello, Andromahi. Hello, Kimal. It's been long. It's been some time, <laughs> yes. Yes, we took a little summer break, but um, life goes on, politics, uh, there are so many things to discuss, and maybe it's a good idea to start with the presidential elections of the Republic of Cyprus. Finally, we managed to see three leading candidates together in a television discussion on RIC, on the state television. And uh, what were your impressions? Because I remember there were lots of discussions on the fact that all three candidates were actually somehow were involved with the establishment. I don't want to give a same level of responsibility of three of them, but somehow all three of them, um, the former uh, foreign minister, the former uh, spokesperson uh, uh, on one hand, and then we had the, the former uh, negotiator, and the president of the leading party, all leading the polls, and they were all involved with the with the establishment, with the government. And um, then there was a, a discussion on the Cyprus problem, which is not necessarily on the top of the discussion list generally. What what were your observations? How did you see it? Well, I think it was actually an interesting discussion uh, that caught us by surprise. I mean, we didn't expect to have this discussion. It, it took place on the 21st of July. Well, interestingly and rather, uh, it was expected, actually. Um, there was a lot of discussion about the past. So there, uh, the, especially between Mr. Christodoulidis and Mr. Mavroyannis, uh, the, there was an intense exchange, as, especially when Mr. Mavroyannis openly accused Mr. Christodoulidis that he was undermining Mavroyannis' positions to the president. And he even made public a private conversation between the two after the 1st of December dinner of, 1st of December 2016 dinner between um, then uh, Turkish Cypriot leader Mustafa Kinci and President of the Republic Nikos Anastasiadis and uh, um, UN Secretary General Special Advisor for, for the Cyprus problem uh, then uh, Espen Barthaida. So, uh, so Mr. Mavroyanis revealed that after that dinner, Mr. Christodoulidis called him and told him that he wants to resign because he cannot waste politics political capital uh, by betraying his country. Uh, so um, there was a lot of bickering about what took place then, and uh, it was noteworthy that Mr. Christodoulidis kept um, citing Mr. Anastasiadis, and he was kind of using him as his shield against uh, criticisms by Mr. Mavroyannis. In general, I would say that there was no winner. It was a debate that had many revelations, but sadly, there was no actual discussion on the future. Aside from some statements by Mr. Mavroyannis, who referred to the need for the creation of organic, um, uh, of an organic setting of peace on the island and for those organic conditions of peace, basically, 
aside from some references by Mr. Mavroyanis, there was really not much about what to do from now on. So you had Mr. Averov Neofidu uh, putting forward the need for Cyprus to join NATO and the need for energy to act as a catalyst. But all both of these ideas, they have to do with an after-a-solution scenario. There was no uh, positioning by Mr. Averov Neofidu as to what to do now. And the same goes, in fact, for Mr. Christodoulidis, who himself used the generic description of the situation, put forward the need for international alliances, etc. But still, there was no plan uh, forward. So that was the most striking part, actually. I find it quite interesting. In, a, in, an, in an election, when the candidates are talking about the change, all three candidates, you need some sort of a break from the past. Rightly or, or wrongly, you need to show how different you are from the previous administration and what difference you are going to make. And then all three candidates, I think, found it difficult to make that difference and, and criticize Mr. Anastasiadis. Well, this means that probably they supported the existing policy somehow, and they will probably continue it, or at least um, <laughs> at least we cannot expect any, um, let's say, open politics towards, uh, towards the re- resumption of, of, of the talks. And I don't know how this will be uh, possible anyway in the given setting. Well, in fact, you touched on a nerve there, <laughs> uh, Kemal, because what was particularly noted from that debate was the fact that Mr. Anastasiadis was left without scrutiny. And it is interesting that at a time when 75% of the public, according to opinion polls, state that they feel that the country is not going towards the right direction, In this juncture, the most popular uh, politician at the time and presidential candidate, Mr. Christodoulidis, claims to be basically continuing Mr. Anastasiadis' policy. It was so noteworthy from that debate, the amount of times he cited Mr. Anastasiadis, the amount of times he put him forward in order to justify his actions. And in fact, he did it more than Mr. Neofidu himself. And... um, It is particularly interesting here that, okay, Mr. Mavroyannis, he's, no matter what we say, he's a politician that, uh, he's not even a politician, he's a technocrat who was working with Mr. Anastasiadis, but he was not in any way associated with the government in general. On the other hand, Mr. Averov Neofidu is the leader of the governing party. He has been claiming to be continuing himself Mr. Anastasiadis' work. But in this debate, it was Mr. Christodoulidis who was um, citing Mr. Anastasiadis. And in fact, Mr. Neofidu even tried to um, maintain some distance. And he even reminded the, um, the public of his, uh, of his prediction about the tsunami. If you remember Kemal, and of course, back then, Mr. Neofidu, when he had said that he had to retract and he basically said that he meant something else. But now, in 2022, he brings it back and he claims that he managed to predict the problems that would arise. Of course, he was not asked what what did he do himself in order to uh, sort of avert these problems. But 
it was particularly noteworthy to see that Mr. Neofitu is kind of struggling to balance between supporting Mr. Anastasiadis' legacy, but trying to also present himself as a candidate who will bring something more in the different course. He even criticized Mr. Christodoulidis on um, the policy of sanctions uh, against Turkey in the European Union. And even uh, he put the blame on Mr. Christodoulidis on on the veto against uh, the Belarusian uh, sanctions. If you remember, Kemal, we had discussed it intensely in this uh, podcast. Well, I mean, you and I, we discussed also the fact that there is a global trend of, of, of uh, apolitical candidates. People are voting for candidates for all different reasons, apart from real political positioning. And it's partly because there is a lack of trust to the politics generally in the world, but particularly in Cyprus. So Mr. Ristodoulidis, uh, it seems like he is uh, leading the polls. He's everybody's favorite, including a party that openly denounced um, uh, uh, by communal by zonal federation, which is ETEC, a party which pays a lip service to the federal solution. But then again, um, you know, the official position of the Republic of Cyprus continues to be uh, by communal by zonal federation. And if they are going to give up, it means that they are going to help Turkey to get away with its two-state solution. Now uh, that everybody is, if this is going to be the case, uh, denouncing the bicommunal bisonal federal model, then um, Turkey will find more justification, of course, to, to and Mr. Tatar too, to defend their, um, their two-state, uh, so-called two-state uh, model. Now, um, I think the interesting person here is, is Mr. Mavriyanis because he's representing the opposition and uh, you expect representing a political party, which is AKEL, which has traditionally been known as pro-bicommunal affairs in favor of bicommunal bicommunal federation. I, I think he, he, he needed to really uh, differentiate himself from the rest of the candidates. How was your, how, how about you, what is your impression? Look, Mr. Mavroyanis, um, well, we need to say that um, communications-wise, he was very weak. He, he, it was evident that he, he lacks TV training. He could not focus. He could not, uh, he seemed uh, anxious. He seemed like something was bothering him and he didn't come across uh, very confident. Whilst, on the contrary, both Mr. Christodoulidis and Mr. Averov were much more confident. And, of course, Mr. Christodoulidis is, is always a very uh, communications-wise, uh, communications he's always very um, successful, let's say. Uh, but about Mr. Mavroyanis, well, Mr. Mavroyanis tried to uh, touch the nerves of the pro-solution Akel uh, voters who might be thinking that they do not want to vote for him because of his implication uh, in the negotiations. Uh, and... They might be considering, let's say, Achilles Dimitriadis trying to touch uh, these leaders. Mr. Mavroyanis, in fact, admitted that uh, <laughs> the Greek Cypriot side had left uh, Mont Pelerin uh, at the point when uh, negotiations on the territory issue uh, had reached a very high level and advanced level. And so that was um, an admission on his part, which was something that some of us have known for a very long time. Some of us have even discussed it in public, but it was actually never publicly admitted um, by any Greek Cypriot person involved in the negotiations, let's say. Aside from uh, people like uh, former uh, Kiel Secretary General Andros Kiprianou, who had also 
uh, talked about this issue in the past. So that was Mavroyanis' attempt to reach this uh, public, let's say the pro-solution public that is not uh, really convinced by him. He also mentioned uh, the need, as I said before, to create the organic conditions of peace on the island. And he even put forward again his um, uh, proposal for Aphrodite's gas to be transferred to Cyprus for domestic consumption uh, in any way, in a way that would benefit both communities. But Setting this issue aside, I want to say something on what you said before, Kemal, about the apolitical candidates. And um, and I have to say, because you discussed a bit the phenomenon, let's say, of Christodoulidis. Uh, well, Mr. Christodoulidis is a candidate that has managed to build his profile for the past 10 years. He has built it uh, meticulously. And he he seems to be speaking to the Greek Cypriot psyche. You know, he's a person, he's a family man, he's a religious person, and he he seems um, calm and uh, smiling. And in fact, he says everything that the Greek Cypriot public wants to hear. So in the, in the discussion, he suggested that uh, <laughs> the Republic of Cyprus has to reposition the Cyprus problem as a problem of invasion and occupation. So you see where this is going. He even made a very below-the-belt accusation against Mr. Mavroyannis that he was adopting Turkish rhetoric. And this, in fact, has been the line by the Republic of Cyprus uh, against uh, people that have been uh, criticizing the government uh, regarding its handling of the Cyprus problem. This Turkish traitor, tra Turkish uh, sort of um, propagandist uh, has been an accusation against all opposition uh, voices regarding the Cyprus problem. And this is something that, in fact, the C needs to uh, consider and needs to criticize itself about because they themselves for a very long time allowed this sort of criticism and now it is coming back to be used by the Christodoulidis candidacy. Uh, at the same time, I need to stress that he did say that um, he disagrees with um, EDEC on the issue of the Bizonal Bicommunal Federation and he remains firm on it. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Christodoulidis proved to be, uh, he, he was lacking in substance, like he failed to answer uh, questions. Uh, in fact, I, I, I can even say this about Mr. Neofidou, he was, he was citing his own, let's say, speech, but he was not really uh, responding to questions. Yeah, I think it's still early to, to say where these discussions will eventually take us and what kind of a mark they are going to live in the history in um, after the, the finalization of the elections. I don't want to be unfair to the candidates which were not there. And um, we know that uh, Mr. Achilles Demetriadis, for example, has always been very clear on his position when he's supporting by communal by federation and, uh, you know, that we should, that, you know, he differentiates himself from the establishment. In fact, on, on this Kemal, the discussion on Thursday had a very high rating. It reached 24.8 for, 
which is a very high percentage for a political discussion. And I would like Rick to see Rick uh, hosting, and not only Rick, but all the TV channels hosting the other candidates as well. I would like to follow a similar discussion to the one we had on Thursday by other uh, candidates, smaller ones. So it, it is good to enrich the civic discourse with ideas, with uh, views. And um, I would like to see that. The idea that the Cyprus problem is all about invasion and occupation is one of the leading narratives um, in the Greek Cypriot community. And we know that this is also very popular when it comes to the talks. And we hear a lot of discussion about bringing it back to the issue of invasion and occupation rather than uh, two communities trying to re-establish the public of Cyprus. And it's a very, it sounds very popular, I, I would understand, to a, a regular ear. But that also means that you are basically challenging 50 years of United Nations work and you underestimate the importance of, of, of building bridges between the two communities. And because of this, recently we know that um, there were two reports. Every six months there are reports about the peacekeeping force in Cyprus and um, the good offices in Cyprus by the United Nations Secretary General to the Security Council. And then we've been hearing um, commentaries and articles in the Greek Cypriot press criticizing uh, Colin Stewart on on this, basically that he's suggesting that the the relation between the communities should be should be fixed. And there must be um, there must be initiatives to help reconciliation on the island, especially in the absence of talks. How would you evaluate this? For some time now, we've been uh, noting the uh, the commencement of a new war against uh, Mr. Stewart by the Greek Cypriot press, and the papers today were even writing that Nicosia is very upset as well, and. Uh, you know, this is always, um, this is kind of a standard practice, let's say, by the Greek Cypriot side whenever things are moving towards a direction that is not favorable. They, they, they tend to target uh, the special representatives of the United Nations Secretary General. And this is yet again the case. So this time, Mr. Stewart is being accused because he's promoting the cultural, social and uh, uh, financial collaboration between the sides. And he's seen as trying to undermine the, the base of the solution, which is the Bizonal Bicommunal Federation, because it seems that there will be no mention to uh, the BBF on the upcoming resolution. Of course, on this, you know, there should be a discussion starting on this. Uh, anyone who thought that the status quo is stable and that it will not change was simply um, adopting illusions. Anyone who thought that such a high-level conference, the collapse of such a high-level conference like Gran Montana could, uh, and the absence of a comprehensive solution to the Cyprus problem could, could take place without any consequences, then... In what world are they living? And sadly, uh, these, these illusions have been carefully cultivated in the Greek Cypriot community. And it is so easy to attack any development, basically, uh, without thinking that these are, in fact, the results of our own actions. Yes, uh, at a time when the political uh, negotiations process is 
fully stalled and because of the hardening of the stance of Turkey that is now uh, supporting a two-state solution, well, yes, the negotiations process is stagnant, but this does not mean that collaboration cannot uh, proceed between the sides. On the contrary, at times when negotiations are stagnant, this is when uh, civil society, collaboration on the ground collaboration and uh, grassroots uh, collaboration, this is when these become most important. And uh, just to note here that the journalists that keep attacking Mr. Stewart because of the absence of the reference to by communal federation are most of the times those journalists that have been demonizing this solution model and that have been lashing out against anyone supporting it. I was actually going to say that uh, on one hand, you hear comments that the issue is about an invasion and occupation, nothing to do with bicommunal, bizonal federation or, or, or cooperation between the communities. On the other hand, they attack the United Nations for not supporting BBF enough, which is actually the funniest thing, um, sadly, I have ever heard recently, because it is very clear that since uh, 1970s, it is the position of the international community, it's the position of the United Nations in the decisions of the Security Council many times that the only way out is uh, by communal, by zonal federation. And this is something that we have also been telling to our audience, to our people, as podcasters, as activists, that there is no other way out. I mean, the, you cannot discuss two-state solution as a, as a solution. It is a misnomer. And there is no way you can actually go back what we had before 1974. It is things have changed. And what we have, the only thing we have is by communal, by zonal federation. Now, in the lack of the talks, of course, the, the second best to do, and even during the talks, is to try to bring the communities together. If you want to reunite the island, you want to make sure that you invest into better relations between the communities. And why is it against the essence of the talks? Why is it against a solution? Why are you lashing out the UN for proposing mending the relations between the two communities? And unfortunately, nowadays, we find ourselves in a very strange situation that many people are crossing daily because of the economic mismatch. And uh, for the first time after 74, a uh, number of people integrating and crossing and meeting um, are, 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 in the, in the, are too high. But at the same time, we are not trying to put it in a context where we can use it for the solution of the Cyprus problem in line with the United Nations resolution. And it is very unfair that Mr. Uh, Colin Stewart is getting all those lashes because he, he's trying fact, his um, best in a very poisonous way. Between us, we have been discussing multiple times how proactive he seems and how he seems to understand the, the obstacles with which the whole um, issue is faced and he tries to find ways around it and I think that the fact that he's underlining that the economic uh, situation in the north is to such a dramatic level that uh, something needs to be done and that will be to the benefit of, of, of the island as a whole I mean I cannot see who can disagree with this statement in the sense that if one is genuine about the need for a solution, you do not want to get into the position of having to reunite the island with an 
uh, with a financially exhausted northern part. The attacks that we see against Mr. Stewart and the attacks that we see against anyone who dares to utter uh, some sort of, of statements that go against the dominant narrative uh, get attacked as traitors or as supporting uh, Turkish um, uh, interests, etc. This is why um, Mr. Christodoulidis' statement at the debate was uh, particularly disappointing because if you have such statements being heard by one of the presidential candidates, a former colleague of Mr. Mavroyanis, uh, if one dares to call someone who utters an opposing view as adopting the Turkish narrative, well, this is not the level that we want to have in our political discourse. There is also a pattern here. Of course. Before Mr. Stewart, we had uh, Ms. Pehar. She got her share. And before her, we had Mr. Uh, Mr. Raide. Of course, he was like, <laughs> I don't want to say, but, you know, I, I'm not sure if he's politically correct, but literally crucified. We had uh, Mr. Downer, who was shot against the wall. We had um, all United Nations representatives are constantly getting the blame. And I think the international community, United Nations, the Security Council should actually tell Cypriots that, guys, like, stop well, shooting, lashing are, out against um, my people who are trying are to These are really important questions. And at the same time, I just have to be, in order to be fair, um, Mr. Christodoulidis, when he said, he, he did say this about Mr. Mavroganis adopting the Turkish narrative, but at some point he did also mention the need to win over the Turkish Cypriots, which was something that was brought uh, to the discussion by Mr. Mavroganis, who said that the Turkish Cypriots need to be won over by the Republic of Cyprus, and he seemed to adopt a rhetoric that seems to acknowledge the fact that a lot uh, are to be done by the Republic of Cyprus itself towards uh, the Turkish Cypriots. Anyway, so I, I wonder if we will continue to see attacks against Mr. Stewart now and um, knowing our uh, new uh, hawkish position in the north, uh, probably he will get his, his share from the other side as well. And uh, this is a tactic that has been used for many, many years to um, this, to strip off from um, to strip the credit of, of out of them, and then um, in the absence of a solution, the status quo, the status quo will only be uh, worsening. And in fact, what we see here is a is yet another example of how when someone merely utters the truth about the situation um, without uh, trying to present it in a, in a fake way, let's say, gets attacked simply because uh, he or she are is trying to address the issue as it is. And in fact, we are two people here that have been uh, supporting <clears throat> a comprehensive solution for so long, but at the same time, in the current setting, we understand that there is no such a thing as a political process, I mean, uh, an, an active political process. And in the face of this and in the face of permanent partition, we need to see what to do. And yes, collaboration between the sides is a way to at least keep in any way the understanding of a united island or at least an island in which these communities coexist. Hey, let's give a couple of examples. For example, um, we always say that why don't you do something about crossings? Um, people are suffering in the long queues. Why don't you do anything about the Turkish Cypriots who, whose one of their parents have the Republic of Cyprus documentation 
and and they don't because um, in practice we know that the, the Republic of Cyprus expect both of their parents to be Republic of Cyprus citizens so that they can acquire their paperwork. You can do something about the fact that many Turkish Cypriots cannot open bank accounts in the Republic of Cyprus controlled areas for uh, bureaucratic reasons. We discussed also the possibility of extending the Green Line regulation, so that, which is now slowly, slowly, I think, happening. In, in For the first time, we had the olive oil crossed um, because it was a processed food and there were so other excuses why they were stopped in the past. There were references to the need for sports uh, collaboration as well. And, I mean, you, you, you would... Had there been genuine willingness, you could have seen uh, the discussion continuing on on the federations, the football federations on the island, collaboration like uh, encouraging uh, sports events between the sides. You you do not recognize an entity if you allow uh, your football teams to or your other sports teams to uh, engage in collaborations or uh, competitions with uh, teams from the north. Um, And the, and simple things like introducing Turkish at schools, like even this is an example that you know that uh, you are interested in the Turkish Cypriot community. So there are a lot of things to discuss about this. But that would require some future thinking. In fact, today uh, today's scandal when we just woke woken up to the fact that the official lottery um, department in the north issued um, issued lottery tickets with a in order to, to recognize the resistance of the Turkish Cypriots in Deliria in 1960s. And uh, they uh, printed a picture um, of uh, Greek Cypriot military at that time who captured the Turkish flag, basically Eokavita men. And it's, of course, the biggest scandal we, we've just woken up. Well, I, I also remember th- those uh, pictures of The poor Cypriots, uh, some, let's give, in this case, Turkish Cypriot women who were suffering. And then those pictures have been used um, by the Greek Cypriot establishment to prove how Cypriots suffered in 1974. And those pictures were from 1960. So both sides are trying to get some legitimacy in, from the past. And they continue to invest in the pain of the people to make their own um, cases. And in fact, sometimes we we face well, we such are, uh, stupid scandals, and then uh, instead of realizing that pain was the same, extremism was the same, uh, you know, hatred was the same, and we all went through, and the both communities and other people on the island, the other uh, religious groups as well, they went through similar um, uh, periods of pain and victimization. I mean, that should be something that would allow us to be even more united and understand from our past, understand from our mistakes and proceed forward with a common vision, as you say. And in fact, this is what is missing, the common vision, sadly. We'll probably be seeing, you know, this rising trend, especially until 2023 elections in Cyprus and in Turkey. And there is no guarantee that it will not continue after that. But unless we have a change of uh, perspective, this will not be at the, to the benefit of, of, of the Cypriots. But we are going through the, of course, in July. July is always a very difficult month for Cypriots. We have the anniversaries. We have all those issues and discussions. And I really uh, admire those uh, activists, particularly the Turkish Cypriot activists, who say that the pain should not be celebrated because, you know, it's always... 
um, it's always zero sum game. One is celebrating, the other one is in pain, and it's the same incident. So um, I think it's important that we raise our heads to those people who continue to invest in empathy in, 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 in Cyprus. I think on this note, we can uh, end this uh, podcast uh, episode, Kemal. The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus, Island Talks, open, diverse, free. <laughs>